understanding. Thank you, Lord, for experience with you. That we all are looking for an experience with you, Father. So we thank you that Jesus is the way to experience with God. So we honor you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, your precious Holy Spirit gives us everything that we need. He's our teacher, our guide, our uh, our umpire in the things of life. So we thank you, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, 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 and amen. So uh, we're going to talk about faith. And then the thing I, I thought God was telling me that people want to know is why faith? Why faith? Why do we need faith? Why is it that God can't just come down and do everything he wants to do? Why is it that uh, it's so important for us to spend time in his word developing our faith? Um, why is it that he chose faith as the means to bless our lives? You know, and, and so I thought what I'd do is go over some just some basic things about faith to give you an understanding And because I think what happens sometimes with people is if they get frustrated in their life of faith or their attempts at living by faith or their walk of faith or they come to a place where they've wanted something and can't get it and then want to get disappointed and quit and think, well, this faith stuff doesn't work for me. You know, how many times have people said that? And uh, I think it's because they don't understand that there's no plan B outside of faith. God doesn't have an alternate plan because you think his plan is too hard. God doesn't do that. Number one, God is holy, which means he never makes mistakes. He cannot make mistakes. He cannot lie. He cannot fail. Everything that he does works, and everything that he gives lasts forever. So he doesn't have to change his plan because we think it's not working. I would rather believe that his plan works, but there's something that I do not yet understand about his plan is why it's not working in my life. What that does is that gives honor and glory to God because you're not calling him a liar and you're not discarding his instructions and it gives me an opportunity to get it right. The exciting part is it gives you an opportunity to learn, which I know some of us, you know, I didn't go far in school. You're going to go all the way in this one, baby, because you are signed up for good. See, this is a school, a school of the spirit you can't drop out of. Huh? There's no A's, B's. It's a no grade. Like you can't get an honor roll and you can't go summa cum, magna cum, and, and all that other cum, kumbaya. You can't go all, you understand what I'm saying? Your grade is between you and God. Your earthly possessions don't even indicate your level of faith. Because you use faith on what you want to. If you choose not to use it for this world's goods, that's between you and God. So nobody can judge your faith. Nobody can criticize your faith. Your faith is between you and God. And I think that is so important to learn and understand. Even though we may learn in a group setting, 
It's not anybody's job here to judge anybody's faith. Not on a judgment sense. Amen. Now we can all encourage one another's faith. Or we can play the devil's advocate and discourage it. But your faith is between you and God. I remember when I first got around church people, I'd been at home reading my Bible for five years. And I would would say things and because I knew God had done them for me already. So I've got faith yet experience too. See, when you see where God has done it for you and you can believe it for other people, that's faith. Because faith is no respecter of persons. If I came in there and say, well, God can't do it for y'all because, you know, he just did it for me because I'm special. See, that's not faith. Amen. That's not the faith of the Son of God. But because it had happened in my life, I had the experience that it worked. And it's what we call the spirit of prophecy. So when you share the things, you share the testimonies about what God has done for you, you have faith and experience, and then you begin to prophesy when you share that testimony. And that's the part the devil hates. So I have many people come up to me and tell me, well, that don't work for everybody. Well, I know I tried that and it don't work. I, you know, religion. I said, no, you don't try God. He's been tried already. Don't you remember when he hang on, hung on that? I said, that was his trial. Amen. He'd been tried already. And he came up with all power and he overcame all that stuff for you and for me. So you don't try him and quit. And so faith is what keeps us in the no quit zone. It keeps us in the activity zone. And it keeps us from comparing ourselves with ourselves, as the Apostle Paul said. Comparing yourself to to what's in the Word is enough of a challenge for you to measure up to what God's standard is. You don't need to be competing against anybody else that's a mere human being just like you are. Because we're going to need to be each other's advocate. We're going to need to be each other's friend. We're going to need to be each other's support system. Because it's a very evil world out there. And the church is the only help for the troubles of the world. And so we as the church are going to have to learn how to advocate, encourage, strengthen, build up one another. Not compete and tear down. Amen. So there's enough goodness in God to take care of every need of everybody that's ever been born. I don't understand these people abort babies because they can't afford them. Because God would, if that were, if it were true, that baby couldn't be afforded, God wouldn't want you, wouldn't let you conceive it. Because he's in charge of conception. Now you need to get smart. I don't think it's wise for anybody to bring more life in this earth than they can take care of. Not in this day and age. There are too many ways to prevent it before it gets to the point of being an abortion, where it gets to the point of being a viable child. But see, we've got a lax in morals in this country and around the world. People think nothing of one night stands, sleeping with one another. You know, then you, you get pregnant and he don't want you. Well, he's been trying to tell you that ever since he didn't call you no more. Ah! 
Oh, Pastor Barb, you said this was going to be about something else, and here we go. Before the door shut. But see, that's the kind of world we live in. That's the kind of society we've created for ourselves. Nobody did that but us. Huh? Nobody did that but us. And so now we got a bunch of confused people around here. Disappointed young people because they thought what was going to work for them didn't work. Because it wasn't a holy plan. The only thing that works anywhere is holiness. If your plan ain't built on the holiness of God, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. So then there's the work of redemption where you find the Lord. And you come into his kingdom. Now the work of faith is to allow you to receive his forgiveness And receive the newness of life. And now renew your mind to the fact that you are a worthwhile being. You are a type of person who can believe God for a normal life. What we call a normal life. God's plan is based on a husband and a wife legally married. And then bring the children into that secure environment of a legal marriage. Now, whether you think that's right or not, or whether you think you've got a better idea or not, that same little nuclear family has held all societies together. It has held nations together. Everything in life is built upon the building block of a man and a woman legally married, and from that they build a family. Am I right, Miss Regina? Amen. And so when we understand that God has a plan... But the devil has another plan. The devil's plan sounds good, feels good, seems easy. But at the end of it, the Bible says it's destruction. Every man's plan seems right to him, but the end of it is destruction. And so then we can't understand why. Every time we find somebody, it don't work out. You don't have a holy plan. A holy plan works all the time. A holy plan for your finances can work when it's a depression on. A holy plan for your, your life can work when there's, no, where are the men in the congregation? It even works there. You don't have to see a man every time the church doors swing open for a Christian man to find you. Huh? Good men know how to find women. Quit looking. Just pray. And let God reveal him to you. And you to him. Amen. 
So it takes faith to do that. You gotta have faith to not go the way of the world. You have faith, you gotta have faith to know what God's word says and want to know what it says and believe that you can obey it. Amen? Amen? It takes faith to do everything that we need to have done in life because you've got faith but you got it in the wrong thing. Many times we have, we have faith that'll move mountains. Huh? Because you had him on speed dial and then the number didn't work no more. And then all of a sudden you found a way to get in touch with him. Uh, That's faith. That's mountain moving faith. Huh? That's shenane faith. Huh? Faith in the wrong thing, but that's faith. So we can't act like we don't know what faith is and what it operates like because we use it all the time. You find somebody who wants something really badly, they'll find a way to do it. You look at all the billionaires in the world. Most of them have been bankrupt at least three or four times, but now they're making billions. Because they have faith. They have confidence in a vision, in a dream, whatever it is, and they keep at it. They don't, they don't do like the average Christian does, say it's not working. Get discouraged and say it ain't working. Because it's not working fast enough to please our lust. All we doing is lusting for things. And you can't get them fast enough to mess them up. So you can start crying to God again. Well this stuff you brought me ain't right. You see people changing their names on Facebook again. It was... Sister this and sister that, now sister this again. Lust. Consuming it on the altar of lust. And so, but, but you know, our story is they wasn't no good. See, he wasn't no good. He, you know, abused. Everybody's abused nowadays. So like there's no people in the world that can treat each other right. Because that becomes a blanket excuse for all of our failures in relationships. Nobody's abusing you. They just ain't going to let you have a way. Or your way. And see, that's good for you. Because the world don't roll like that. So why faith? Is because we are spirit. Our faith connects us by our spirits to God who is spirit and to his kingdom. So faith is the only way that we can connect to God. Now, you and I know that there are all kinds of people in this world who study the Bible. If studying the Bible were all you needed to know God, then everybody from just picking up a Bible and reading it would get saved. But you know and I know that some of the deepest scholars that they are, biblically speaking, do not are not saved, are not born again. Many of them are in denominations that are not spirit-filled. Why? Because God is not a head and an intellect. He's a spirit. And so you cannot connect to God without reaching out to him in faith. 
the president recently signed a bill to allow Bible teaching in the public schools again, which you know it's been out of school since the 50s or 60s. Marilyn, Madeline Murray O'Hare stopped that with a lawsuit. Christians got scared and didn't know what to do. Then God raises up somebody with a stroke of a pen can get it back in again. Now this is what the liberals argue. They say, well you're, you're, uh, you're telling us that Christianity is the only religion. No we're not because Judaism is in there too. You can't get saved just by studying the Bible. So we're not promoting a religion. We're not promoting a faith. What we are promoting is intellectual study of the word of God. The Bible is the most popular historical book that there is. That's a history book, if nothing else. Don't y'all study history in school? Well, you get a new one to study because it's back again. Amen. And we should be thankful to God for it because now that gives young people a chance to know that there's right and wrong, good and evil, according, even if you don't know this God, according to some God, it's somewhere. There's a good and there's an evil, there's a right and there's a wrong, there's a way to treat one another, and there's a way not to treat one another. That's, that is his law. And so by enlightening people and giving them understanding of, of God's way, then they have an opportunity to apply their faith to it and have a connection to God. And so until faith is applied to anything that we hear, we will not have a connection to God. Hebrews 11, if you'll turn there, verse 3, it says, Through faith we understand. So faith gives you knowledge. It gives you spiritual knowledge. And that's what's lacking from the world. People wouldn't commit so much sin if they had spiritual knowledge. And they'd be more inclined to want to serve and love one another if they had spiritual knowledge. So he says, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. So it's not like this, what this is saying is, is very important because Many people think that when God speaks, he is creating with his word. God really creates with his imagination. You don't create nothing with your words either. How did your kids get here? You didn't speak them up. Huh? Now just understand me, y'all. God creates with his imagination. That's where we create too. But your imagination can't bring it to pass without power to make it happen. And that's where you need God. So God has, he imagines, you can see in the book of Genesis, he says twice, let us make man in our, in one place he's discussing in his head what he wants to do. And in the other he begins to act it out by faith in the natural and it happens. Amen. And so when God begins to create, what he is creating is already there in his imagination. 
That's why it says things that are not seen didn't come from things that are appearing already. So it says not seen, not not created, not not are. Things that aren't seen. So these things are available and they're real somewhere. They're just not seen. You can't see them and I can't see them. But that doesn't mean they're not real. Because they're real somewhere. They're real in the mind and the heart of God. When he says he will meet your needs according to his riches where? Not in the seen realm. Not in your neighbor's garage. Not in your neighbor's house. That's not your realm that you draw from. Where you draw from is the unseen realm. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. If something's prepared, it exists somewhere. If I tell you, Miss Pat, I prepared a nice dinner for you and I take you to my house and there's nothing there, you jump me and, and take my butcher knife and chase me through the house. Well, I thought it was prepared already. Now, I can't pull that it's in the unseen realm on her because she know I don't roll like I don't roll that heavy. You understand what I'm saying? But God can because it exists inside of him. All he has to do is release it into our lives and that's when it materializes. So your children are already in God. Your home is already in God, in his imagination, in his glory. It's all floating around in there. And every now and then, what does he do for us? He gives us faith so we can touch it spiritually. Because it's there. See, when you have faith in God, it's not the same thing. See, you can't tell me you have the same faith in your imagination that you do in God's word. And see, that's what many people are using as a substitute for faith in God. They get their imagination to working and they get to confessing what they want and they never get a relationship with God through his word to find out what's in his imagination for them so they can embrace it by faith and when you pray for it, you can feel it. If you can't feel it by faith, it ain't there. That's why it tells you faith is substance and evidence. That evidence is that you touch it in God's heart and mind by faith when you begin to pray and study his word. That's why people who you can walk around in pain believing God that you're healed. And if somebody tries to challenge you, even though you're in pain, you say, no, I'm healed. Because you've touched it already. Your faith already has embraced that thing. And once you embrace it and it's in God, nobody can take that faith away from you. Now you can get dumb and get mad at somebody and walk away from it. There's so many treasures stored up for people that they can't get a hold of anymore and can't see manifest because the devil tricked them into thinking that somebody in church was against them or somebody that God put in their life was wrong and offense. 
So they drop the promise and pick up the offense. Never to pick up the promise again. Because the devil's convinced them that they're justified in their offense. Well, what about uh, the uh, the uh, the husband you were believing God for in the house? Oh, that kind of stuff. That That prophet didn't know what they were talking about. I don't think it don't happen because look at the empty seats. Because it does. See, we need to get to the point where we continually forgive and keep our hearts pure before God so we can hear right when somebody wants to bless us with a word from God. That's your job as a believer. Your job ain't to check me out and see if I like you or not. I don't, okay? So what what you going to do about it? So <laughs> I'll do that too. If I could drop kick without hurting myself, I'm falling and I can't get up. You know what I'm saying? I don't roll like that. But you know, we got to be we ain't likable sometimes. And we ain't trying to be. You know what I'm saying? Let's get real here. You're not here for all that. You're here to connect with God, okay? Just like I am. We are here to connect with God. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Whoo, telling you. So faith connects us to God. Now, do you understand about the unseen versus not being there and not created yet? Every excuse me, everything that you need is in God already. Amen. You can't believe that God doesn't have everything you need or or your faith will start working in some kind of way. It's in him already. Or he couldn't promise it to you. He doesn't promise you stuff that ain't there. <laughs> that would make him a liar. So your stuff is there. But it's in him to be released by him into your life. Because for that release to happen, he has created laws that govern the release of it. So he's locked in by his word or his law as to how that's going to get down here in your life in the realm of the natural. So then he has to inform you what his law is. And you've got to obey his law, no matter who's looking, how you feel, whether you think he treats you right, or whether he answered the last prayer. It's like, okay, so there's a stop sign here, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You ain't got no business out at that time, but you're out there, and nobody's looking. And you look both ways, nothing coming, so you go through the stop sign. See, that's a no-no in God's kingdom. And see, we operate like that a lot. And call ourselves being obedient. You know why? We gauge our obedience based on what we think the person next to us is doing. And what they live in life. (laughs) You know? (laughs) 
You got to base it on on your spirit, your faith. What does your spirit? How does your spirit respond when you do those things? You feel convicted, then you stop. You apologize to God, you get His forgiveness, and so your spirit is cleansed again. And that's the condition you want to stay in all the time is that cleansing from all unrighteousness. When you feel that spirit lifting off of you, then you know you stepped over the line. If not indeed, you stepped over in thought. You ever have one of them days where you be sitting around and everything is wonderful and then all of a sudden your mind will go to you cuss somebody out when you've got drunk as a teenager and you feel real bad. Well, God didn't bring that thought to you. He said he removes our sin. Now that doesn't say we can't dredge up memories and we can't respond to the devil's nonsense. But my recommendation is get in the word and don't be laying up there thinking about what you did to so-and-so years ago. Because you can't do nothing about it anyway. All you can do is either sin or live right. But you can't fix anything that's of a spiritual nature. All you can do is obey God's laws going forward, you know. You'll never remember all the bad things you did on your life. So quit trying. See, that's legalism, where it says you gotta obey all of the law, are you guilty of all of it? See, that's been done, that, that ordinance was contrary to us, so that was nailed to the cross. So we get to obey the law by faith now. So whatever God tells you to do, and you believe to do it, you gotta do it. You're held responsible for doing what it is that you've heard and that you believe. I wouldn't encourage uh, resisting God either. Refusing to believe something you see in His Word because it's a challenge to you. You gotta see it as, as a way to increase your spiritual ability when you obey God's Word. It's always gonna pay off for you. So we must mix the word with faith to please God. Hebrews says that. <clears throat> Where is that? Verse 6. says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So in order to receive from God, you must please him. Now this is something we don't think about much. Because when you think about it, if, if somebody just came up to you and you didn't know the Bible and they, they say, oh, you know, you got to please God, then you'd be wondering, how am I going to do that? i I, I got to be good. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. All kind of things would run through your head as, as being must-dos in order to please God. But isn't it nice you got a verse in the Bible that says it takes faith to do it? So without faith, oh, okay, well, all I have to do is use my faith and not do anything that's contrary to my faith. We mess more people up trying to hold them to some other standard of faith other than what God has put in their hearts. You know, it's like you look at people and oh, I wouldn't do that. I don't see how they can do that. I don't see how you can 
You don't know what they're capable of. You don't know what they understand. You don't know what... Yeah, it would be better for them. If it's sin, it would be better for them not to do it. But you have no idea how God is judging them, grading them, moving them. There may be, you know, they might be serial killers when they get... (laughs) You know, I had to throw my ID network. Well, it's more important for them to quit murdering than to be polite to everybody. You understand what I'm saying? You know, that old, old time idea about what Christianity is. Christianity is minding your own business, number one, with God. And respecting humanity enough to love them no matter what condition they're in. Amen? And just expect God to bless your life because you believe him and you connect with him by your spirit. So, since faith connects us to God... We must use faith to have access to him and to contact him. So the faith becomes our God connection. You can't go to God asking him a bunch of questions without reverencing him and thanking him for giving. You have to have a connection of respect, of honor, of reverence. That's why so many people go into the word and get the wrong answer. Because they're not using faith, which is righteousness in God's eyes. So that gives you a right to be there. That gives you legal standing for being there. And that assures that you will get the correct answer when you approach him by faith. So all of that comes to us when we use our faith. Other than that you open up your heart to the kingdom of this world, which is a dark kingdom, and you can get answers. You sit and meditate long enough and get an answer. But if you don't use the faith of God, honoring him as God, you have to come in an attitude of worship and an attitude of respect, giving him respect that he is God. And then allow him, To bring into your life the things that you need. That's respect. You don't bogart the throne and, God, if you don't answer today, you'd have seen the last of me in that place. You know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It may be true. You can go out and get hit by a truck. You understand what I'm saying? Not that we we confess for that, but come on, y'all. See, you can't, you can't manipulate, you can't use dark powers on a holy God. He doesn't respond to that. He responds to faith. So we have to respect that we need faith to contact him. We need faith to grow in him and stay connected to him. So faith becomes our God connection. And it is the way to please him as well. You cannot please him without putting your confidence and your trust in him. And it will be hard sometimes. Sometimes you'll, you know, you'll, you'll see something in the word and you just skim by it. You say, is that what, does that say what it says? I think it says that I've already been delivered out of the power of darkness. I've already been translated into God's kingdom. And I'm sitting here feeling worthless and stupid and all that kind of stuff. And like I can't do it and all this kind of stuff. Well, you got to understand that faith has nothing to do with your emotional feelings. There's nothing to do with that. 
you can bust out of your your emotional skin and let your spirit man soar over your problems by faith. If you'll just endeavor to believe what you read. You don't have to have experienced it before. In fact, that's why they call the gospel news. Because it's new to you. Huh? You ain't never heard this before. The gospel is news and it's good news. It ain't bad news. It's bad news for the devil and all those that want to stay with him. But it's good news to those who want the right things out of life. It's always good news. The Bible says when the righteous smite me, it's a kindness. If a holy person reach up and slap you, you they did you a favor. He was no doubt doing something that wasn't. You guilty of something. Slap. You know what I'm saying. It's it's kind of hyperbole, but kind of not. Because uh, how many times have you been in a conversation with somebody who knows God and you felt, how? Got your feelings hurt. Uh, get slapped all around the room. That was a kindness to you. Because now you won't go out and be stupid again. Uh, no, you know the dealio. So God forbid we ever have user-friendly services where we got to be nice to everybody, you know, in our preaching. I'm not talking about how you treat people, but in your preaching, you got to go easy on everybody. Oh, I don't want to offend. Well, what kind of message you got? Huh? So we cannot please him without putting our trust in him. <clears throat> think about ways that you please God. Now think about it. When you pray in faith, you please him. When you speak his word in faith, you please him. When you expect him to answer your request, you please him. Expectation is an expression of faith. When you refuse to trust in the natural realm, you please him. So for those of you who think God's hard to please, I got news for you. He really ain't. When you use your footsteps to get you to church on time, you please him. You understand what I'm saying? I'm praying for God to raise up a new attitude in people where they quit being so casual. See, I see people being casual about God and, and his, his church and, and his, his services. And then they get out of here and struggle. Bills late, can't pay for anything on time, working three and four jobs or whatever. You may like working, but, you know, don't kill yourself. I got news for you. There is an easier way. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, it bugs me that people don't relate one to it like everything is so disconnected. And you got a built-in excuse for being late all the time. I had to, I had to do this. I had to do that. And no, you didn't. You had an appointment to come to church on time. All this rushing in here just in time to do your part like you an entertainer or something. You understand? None of that's foolishness to me. It's just silly. You know, you're waiting for the umpire to say, safe! You made it just in time. Hand it off to her because you're important. Go get a life. No, get real. That's just nonsense. You don't bring that in the house of God. 
You don't. Quit saying Jesus every time. That's not what that word's for, okay? You reserve that word for authority. Say amen, somebody. That's, that's the word you use, okay? Don't pick up that religious spirit. Amen? That's all that is, religious spirit. So, okay. So, the life that pleases him has great reward coming to it. See, you don't have to please me. You don't have to please Pastor Shirley. You don't have to please your landlord, your husband, your Well, you got to please people you, you stay with. Now, just don't get me wrong. People get carried away. I can't say too much in there. But that can't be your first inclination. Your first inclination is to please God. So you find out what God wants you to do toward these individuals. I considered my husband very hard to please and start until I started doing it as a routine. Then I realized it was hard for me because I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be disobedient and semi-rude. You understand what I'm saying? Because I had a J-O-B, which didn't take care of either of us. And I was hoping all the time he didn't get so mad he'd run off and leave me because I could I couldn't live in the lifestyle that I was trying to accustom myself to on one paycheck. <laughs> Just couldn't do it. So you know what I'm saying. It's living stupid. One day you're queen. Next day somebody knock your crown off. A sister doesn't uh, take her sister's crown off. She helps her adjust it there. All this old crazy. I say, ain't none of y'all got two nickels to rub together to buy no crown for nothing. Crown royal. Uh, Cut the the fake stuff out. Go get in your prayer closet till you come out with something better than that. So the life that pleases him has great reward coming to it, great reward every day. It is worth it to use your faith to please God, folks. And it's worth it to let him develop fruits of patience, fruits of understanding, fruits of righteousness, all of the fruit of the spirit in you. So that you can maintain this life of faith without losing your mind about when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, am I doing enough, am I not doing enough, all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to learn how to draw more from God when you don't feel what you have is adequate. Now how many times have we felt that? You've been doing okay, you know when you first prayed you're so excited, oh I believe I receive it and I have it. Pull it right down into your life. And then the devil slap you around a few times. You get out out of your little prayer closet, out of your little prayer, you know, uh, of, you know, aura. You step over into something else. He slap you a couple of times. I don't know what I did wrong. Why is it taking so long? So it takes faith to keep us in that place 
but it also takes other fruit of the spirit to maintain that peace, that good feeling, that lack of doubt, that nirvana, (laughs) whatever y'all want to call it. But it's a spiritual atmosphere that you create around you with your faith. Well, faith will help the atmosphere, but you can easily step out of it if you don't add some things to your faith. They need Faith needs helpers to help you maintain that faith position. Because you don't like coming out of it. God doesn't like you coming out of it. And you know it would be better for you if you stay in it. But somehow we don't know how to stay in it. And so sometimes we need to add things to our faith. So there are nine, uh, eight other fruit of the Spirit for you to use as helpers to help you maintain your faith. God told me something once. He said, faith doesn't wait. Patience does. So you need to add patience to your faith so you can endure waiting without going off on somebody. Or threatening to divorce yourself from God. Well, God, I know you hate divorce, but me and you, we got to talk. Keep running your mouth. You show up sooner or later. You could, God knows how he created women. He knows we all get tired of running our mouth at some point. Then chased all the menses out the house. The kids left the dog done gone and the parakeet trying to get out the cage. So we know to stop at a certain point. So he waits for us to stop. And then all of a sudden you start to get some thoughts that come to your head. About how, Lord, this reminds me of what I used to be like before I got saved. Oh, God, I feel bad. Huh? He don't have to say nothing to you. He lets you work yourself over. Huh? It's good to come to your Holy Ghost senses. I don't know why I got so upset about that all of a sudden. Lord, I was peaceful about that. I was walking around worshiping you and confessing. I don't know how I got off like this, but God, get me back where I'm supposed to be. Huh? You don't know it, but you're there already. The minute you confess your sins, you're right back where you're supposed to be. Huh? Amen. We all get sidetracked. You know what makes you a good preacher is sidetracked <laughs> and being honest about it. See, I ain't going to come up here and lie to y'all and try to tell y'all I'm this and I'm that. <laughs> I couldn't fool anybody in here anyway. Yeah, y'all been to my house. What can I tell you? So, so the more you use your faith, though, the more it grows. And then the more you become comfortable trusting God. So then you have experience added to your faith. Now, there are some times where challenges will come to you. When your faith is challenged and you're like throwing the best thing you can, you got at the devil and he don't move. Anybody ever been there? And so what that means is that you have to wipe everything clean, come back to the drawing board and say, God, I need help with this. 
because I'm not sure. It's like I'm going into uncharted territory all of a sudden. And you've done this before. Everybody's paid for a bill, prayed for a bill to get paid. Everybody's prayed for a job, for a promotion, for their health, for everything. And then something comes up in one of those familiar areas. And we get stumped. It's like all the stuff we used to use is not working this time. And so when that happens, you need a lawyer. You need an attorney. You need somebody to go to bat for you. You need somebody to speak on your behalf. Because you ain't got the answer. Huh? You got your Bible, you got your favorite tapes, you got your favorite this, you got your favorite that, but you can't quite get this thing removed from you. So God will put you in a place, I always call it his, his comfort zone of patience waiting. Because many times we're trying to flip this thing out of our our uh, life and it's got some deep roots on it and see we've been living free of it from it bothering us but now we got to get the deep root out anybody ever had to have a tooth removed and the doctor said well, I'm just going to shoot you and I can get it he started yanking on it in pain he said nah these roots are deeper than I thought we give you a little gas so you can tolerate this because we got to work you over real good it takes time it takes something new you were getting novocaine now you got to get the gas amen so what god is doing is showing us is some deeply rooted stuff here not your fault don't get condemned don't go crazy on me but it's been there all the time and i've been blessing you anyway so rejoice and be exceeding glad. You got nothing to get mad at God about. Huh? That thing has been there since you start teething. Huh? And there's some, some uh, difficulties in our lives that are deeply rooted just like that. And so now, if you're going to go on with God because all of these things that have been prophesied to you and all of these wonderful things that are ahead of you in life depend on you getting a deep root cut out. And that's what he's doing now. So you got to go into deep root therapy with God to get them deep roots cut out. It's important because you're not in charge of your faith. You can't say, well, I, you know, um, you know what, God? <laughs> You know, a second thought. I don't think it, you know, all that stuff they prophesied to me all in tapes. They, that ain't necessary. I, I shoot, I can make it without all of that. Are you sure? Are you sure? See, you have no way of knowing what you can make it with or without because you ain't in charge of your faith anyway. This faith is given to you. This faith is loaned to you while you're in this earth suit. You won't even have this faith when you're in heaven. Because everything will be manifested there. 
Huh? So you have to get this faith perfected while you're down here on earth. And that's the Lord's job. He is the initiator or author. He is the completer, perfecter, the one who matures our faith so that we can meet him as his bride. He don't want no no fake brides rushing up in his face with their crowns on their head, talking about their queens. Come on, y'all. Now, we got better things to use our faith for than to make up some fake royalty that we think we are. You have no idea what God even means when he says you're a royal priesthood. You know what priests do? They work in blood all the time. So you're going to work in blood with a crown on your head. That's going to be real interesting. Jesus was unmarried when he walked the earth. Anybody want to guess why? Why did Jesus never have a wife? He was already married to us. He was already spoken for. So he not going to have no, he'll have a bride because that's the closest thing that God can tell us we are to him. But we're also his sister. We're his siblings. We're, we're his brother as well as his bride. So he's everything to us. So take the crown off your head, Facebook queens. Stop that nonsense. All that does make it hard on a poor Christian man that won't want, might want to marry you. He's going, she got this big old crown on her head. What are you going to do with that? She she thinks she a queen already. Who's the king? Because I sure don't feel like one. Because he got good sense. Knows better than enter into some fantasy with some crazy woman. You know, when you get tired of waiting on your intended, go get in the word. Don't get in your imagination. God puts obstacles there and allows them to remain there so that we will go deep for more faith. His disciples asked him one time because they, 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 now see the disciples ask good questions but went a wrong motive. They're jealous of John's disciples. And they say, John does this with his disciples and John does that with his disciples. Where are we going to do that? So one day they come up to him with, with this thing and they said, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, in some instances, he had rebuked them and called them, O ye of little faith. Then he tells them in another instance, little faith is okay. Because he says it's like a grain of a mustard seed. 
And then he explains, it starts out the smallest of seeds, but when it grows, it grows into a large plant that's able to shelter and house many birds and so forth underneath it. But then when he gets them like on the boat, oh ye of little faith, ah, little faith, little faith, little faith, little faith. How is he honoring little faith over here and rebuking them for it over here? Anybody got a guess? It wasn't being used. It's little until it's used. So when he rebuked them in the boat, it's because they weren't using their little faith. They let it stay little by not using it. Y'all got me or y'all went to sleep? So everybody's faith is small until they put it into use, until they put it into action. When Peter walked on the water and then he was out there for a while and then he sank, Jesus told him why. Why did you doubt? He never called his faith little. He said, why did you doubt? So you can use your faith and then pull it out of a situation by doubting. If you've got your faith in your healing and symptoms come up, And you start wondering why you got the symptom back. You have let doubt move in because you just withdrew your faith from that. But just like you withdrew it, you can put it right back in there. Smart people know how to work this. Because when they start doing, they don't, they don't wonder what happened. Oh, my mind's wandering again. I've let that pain start bugging me and bothering me. So now I got to get right back and thank you, Jesus, that I'm healed. I thank you, Lord, that I am healed. Thank you, Lord. Both these legs are good. I ain't got no bad legs up in here. In Jesus' name. And you keep fighting like that. Because that's the only battle we got out here, folks. If you fight in another way, you are losing anyhow. The only battle we have is to keep ourselves believing God no matter what the natural circumstances tell us. That's how people get up out of wheelchairs. That's how people get miracles. They must hope against hope that they're still healed. Just like you believe when the symptoms weren't there, you got to believe that way when the symptoms are there. Just like you believe that God will supply all your needs when you got money. You know, we can all say it when we got something. But then when you don't have it in the natural, you want to go doubting. Huh? Get an extra job. Never pray. You're lazy thing, you. You only got one job, get three job, man. You know, we all Jamaican when, you know, <laughs> we don't mind being Jamaican a little bit, you know. But it's not God's best for us. Think how much farther you'd be along if you didn't work so much, but you believe God instead. Thank you. Most people don't believe it. But it is true. You know, you can live in a realm where stuff comes to you so fast, it does make your head swim. I mean, that, that scripture is real. And you didn't have to lift a finger to get it. All you had to do was believe God. A gentleman that, uh, that has a, one of the largest churches in the world now is, is in Nigeria, I think he is. Yeah, he's in Nigeria. 
And he said, God rebuked me. <laughs> he said, I never told you to provide money. I told you believe. So he went to sleep, quit worrying, and, and got in his word more. That's how you increase your faith. You get in your word and you start exercising your faith on your environment. You start putting your faith to work. Faith is not designed to test us beyond measure, but we must put our confidence in God over and over again to please him. Now, see, most believers don't like that. We like to cheat. We like want to believe God for one thing one time and then go talk about it for 15 years and never trust him for anything else. As though he accidentally blessed us. You don't want to live on no accidental blessing basis. You want to live in covenant with God. That every day you wake up and you you determine to be obedient to God, you can expect to be blessed. You can expect to have money in your bank account. You can expect to have things. You can have expect to have mercy in situations. You can expect your children to obey God. You can expect them to live well. You can expect every single good thing that God has promised you. Because you have covenant with him. That means he does it over and over and over again. He does it every day. He does it every day. He does it before you have a need. Other than that, you put you get very close to begging or very close to living on your own, which is worse. So faith is not designed to test us beyond. Amen. God is not unrighteous. The patriarchs in the Bible were tested over and over again because God knew they could do it. The reason you get tested over and over again is because God knows you can do it. He knows his faith is perfect in you. There's nothing wrong with your faith. He knows your faith won't fail. What did Jesus tell Peter? He said the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. Isn't that what we're in when we doubt and we can't figure out what's wrong and why it's taking so long? You're in the sifter. Got your mind full of crazy stuff and you don't know if this is going to happen and you don't know if that. Yeah, that's it. But Jesus said, don't worry, Peter. I've already prayed for you and your faith won't fail. You ever get in a thing where it's taking a long time and you think, well, did I really believe God? Am I believe by asking for the wrong thing? Uh, it, you know, I know it. Well, I already confessed and I know it's nothing. I didn't do nothing wrong, but maybe I didn't hear from God. That's that's where you think your faith is failing. You got faith. I'll tell you how you can prove it to yourself. If you can go sit on a chair and not miss it and hit the floor, that's faith. It's just in the wrong spot. See, you got to move it from the natural only over into the supernatural. And see, that supernatural faith will not fail you. Because Jesus has prayed for your faith not to fail. So you can't blame it on your faith ain't good enough, your faith ain't strong enough. You know, I don't have as much faith as so and so and so and so. You could have more. How do you know their faith is adequate? 
You have no way of knowing. People just like to whine and not be responsible. I'm telling you, when God told me that I was responsible for the mess my life was in, that was really good news to me. Because I figure if I got myself in this mess, then I must be able somehow to get myself out of this mess. So responsibility is a wonderful thing. Because it opens your life up to answers. That's what separates the wealthy from the poor. The poor have given up so long ago. So they're always begging for everything. But the wealthy said, well, if, if I made mistakes in my business, show me where the mistakes are and I'll go in business again and correct them. And this time it'll work for me. Because at least I know my failures and I know how to make corrections. So it's a wonderful thing to have responsibility in your life. Don't you ever let anybody take responsibility for you away from you. Because nobody's going to take care of you like you can. Even with the faith of God, you have responsibility to do certain things to make sure your life works. So the patriarchs were tested over and over again. Abraham thought he had the answer to God's uh, prophecy over him. Do you hear what I said? He thought he had the answer to God's prophecy. He lived 12 years thinking Ishmael was the seed that God had promised him. Huh? Then one day God comes to him and knocks on his shoulder and says, well, you know what? We got a little problem with this boy of yours. I mean, he's cute, kind of bratty. Mama ain't cool either. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to have to bust that up because it ain't what I promised you. Sometimes we feel when God wants us to go deeper in our faith that he's busting something up that we like. You want to you wanna believe that this level of faith that you're at now is going to do wonderful things for you and you're very upset that it's not working like you think it should work. But you should rejoice and be glad because there's more coming. What most people wonder is what it's going to cost them. Oh God, I'm already doing like 30 minutes a day in the Word. Now, you know, I got to spa and I got to exercise and I got, you know, I got, got, got job, got, you know, got, got, I, I just can't book you in no tighter than I'm already booked. Right. Well, it's for His glory, but it's for your benefit. So you're going to have to unbook something. If you go get out of this dilemma, it's a blessing when God hems you in and there's no other way but faith to get out of it. See, you can't see the blessing now. All you got, all you see is, is, oh boy, more stuff, you know. Quit looking at life like that. You know, stop and learn how to enjoy what God's blessed you with. 
You know, quit looking at everything as something that's going to book you up a little tighter. You know what I'm saying. Come on, folks. You shouldn't. You need to un- want to unbook yourself anyway. I was sitting the other day, and I was thinking, I said, God, I need more income. And and he and I already know I'm not going to go out and work a J-O-B. I'm too old, number one. They look at my age, and they say stuff like, huh? I'm gonna... <laughs> yes, God has blessed me, okay? And uh, But that, I have a covenant with him not to work except for him. That's been all 35 years now. Amen. You can't keep a ministry together with your mind fragmented with worldly stuff. At least not mine. I, you know, the devil, <laughs> devil messed my mind up once already. I don't even go close to that. I just work my corner. You know, stay in, stay in my lane. Try to get real exotic. But I don't have that kind of pride where I say, oh, I must have an occupation and an income and I can do hair. I could be a nurse. Well, one second thought. <laughs> I go in the hospital. I say, y'all can do that now? <gasps> really? <laughs> Things have really advanced. You mean, well, I better not touch it. I don't know how to. You understand? It would take so long for me to get credentialed. But I was recently telling God, I said, you know, I want new income. And I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't care where it's coming from. See, if you can go to him naked with no plan, he'll work for you then, baby. Huh? He said, oh, she ain't bringing me no crutch, no plan, no. You understand what I'm saying? Huh? Now, God's promised me I'll get married again. I already said wealthy, healthy. (laughs) And some other things. You know, you understand what I'm saying. He don't need nobody carrying water for him. You know what I'm saying. No feeding tubes. At least not permanent. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. But I wasn't even thinking on those lines. I want money, my own money to come in here, new money. You understand what I'm saying? And so God has a way of making sure that we rely totally on him. You got me? Because this new money, I want it to be all mine. Huh? I, I am single widow. Amen. A married widow at that, but you know. I was married before I was a widow, so don't even. I was married. But, but I really, really felt like that was the next thing for me to ask God for. Because I found that I started to struggle some and, and not really feel as comfortable and confident in my faith for him. I said, well, I see what the hindrance is. It's the money thing. So let's get Baba some more money in here. You know what I'm saying? If I tell y'all, I can tell him. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so, but, but raw faith is what it takes to please him. Not any stipulations. Not bring some man here that's got money. You know, slam the door on him and take it. <laughs> At least, that'll put me on forensic files or something, you know. 
I don't even want to get tempted like that. And, and so you need to have a raw faith experience where you know it came from nowhere but God. It came, the idea wasn't even what you thought you wanted to ask him for, but it just dropped on you that that's the next thing that you need to believe God for. And God will bring those things to you. There are certain levels of faith you have to climb in order to please God. He's the author and the finisher. He ain't through with your faith yet. You shouldn't be living from hand to mouth. You shouldn't be living just by your paycheck only. You should be living by faith and expecting God to bring miraculous ways of, of you. You don't get any points with him by doing it all yourself. He wants to be, he's jealous for that position. Because pretty soon you'll be able to think you can do everything without him. Then you'll be in charge of stuff. And so God wants us to understand that he is developing our faith. He did not put you here for your faith to fail. He gave you fail-proof faith. Because he's prayed for you. Not because you get everything you ask for. It happens real fast. Or, oh, yeah, I can get a prayer through in a minute now. I get prayer through. Well, pray for me then. Uh, pray for me for 30 seconds. I want a better than you. Have. You ought to be able to do better for me than you do for yourself. Give me a 30-second prayer through. You know, that kind of stuff. So we will be tested over and over again. Going deeper each time. Getting into some uncharted territories. Territories that used to be fearful for you to step into. But now, and this is how you can tell God, it is God's plan for you. Because you're not overwhelmed by it. See, you have a little bit of shaky, but you're willing to go forward with it anyway. That's how you know it's God's plan for you. Because you're not overwhelmed. He never does that. When he took Israel out of Egypt, he told them, he said, I took you the way of the wilderness because I knew if I took you the shortest route, you'd see warfare, get scared, and turn around and try to go back. So God does not overwhelm us with the opposition against us. He takes us the safest route, even though it might take a little longer. You got me? So that's how the, the time element is justified. During that time, Israel learned a lot about God if they paid attention. They learned that he could ter- take, take poison water and make it drinkable. They learned that when they got sick from Mermy and complaining against him, if they would repent, they could look up at that snake and be healed. They even start worshiping the stick with the snake on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. Lose contact with him real good. That's how fast people lose contact with God. That's why many times we do have to go deeper. And And you say to yourself, well, it's just a bill I need to get, or it's just a healing, or it's just this. No, but it's got to come a deeper, a different way this time. Excuse me if I let myself be God to you. I call the shots. You have no idea what you need. You have no idea what's facing you around the corner. 
You don't know what's facing your family. You don't know what's facing your finances or the world or anything like that. So you might as well learn how to ride or die. You got me? Because that's what God wants out of us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us to know your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are the author and the completer of our faith. We don't need to do anything but hang on for the ride and bless your holy name. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So if anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for y'all.